some stones Saw the skin and bones Of a city without a soul I stopped outside a church house Where the citizens like to sit They say they want the kingdom But they don't want God in it Yeah, I went with nothing Nothing but the thought of you I went wandering Live from the Mecca of Mormonism, Salt Lake City, Utah, this is Heart of the Matter, and I'm your host, Sean McCraney. If you have family or friends who can't watch the show on the air, whether they're outside of uh, Salt Lake area, the torso of Utah, or Boise, Idaho, have them go to www.bornagainmormon.com, and they can click on the TV shows and watch it live. Hey, did you know that every single show is available online for free? All you got to do is go to the website, click on a show you want to watch, and you can see anyone back in the archives from 2006 until the present. We're getting ready to offer those in retail stores, too, for people who want to give them as gifts. So uh, look out for that. I was a born-again Mormon, the book that started it all. It's available at Christian Gift and Bible. Utah Lighthouse Ministry, Gift of Grace Christian Supply, Calvary Chapel Salt Lake City, and Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa, Sam Weller's Downtown in uh, Salt Lake City, Oasis Books in Logan, and uh, of course you can order the book through our website at www.bornagainmormon.com. And if you can't afford the book, or if you uh, just have some personal reason why you refuse to buy it, let us know and we'll send it to you. That being said, let me ask you a favor. Please don't have us send books to people unsolicited. If you have somebody who is, uh, that you think would benefit by reading the, the book, don't order the book through us and give us their mailing address and have us send it to them without them knowing it because it creates a whole bunch of problems. And so just bring it to your own self and then we will uh, get it back to you. Uh, then you can take it out to the person you want. Coming up this May 5th, Cinco de Mayo, a Monday night, we're going to be holding our open water baptism for those of you who are desiring to be baptized in the name and, and in the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ without ties to any specific denomination. We do this because we have learned from our emails and people who call us and talk to us that they want to make a public profession of faith in him. They want to dedicate their lives to him uh, publicly but they don't want to be tied to any specific church or denomination. And so we've been doing that, and it's a good time. Go to www.bornagainmormon.com for more uh, contact information. Mark your calendars, folks. June War Camp for Men and Men Teens and Man Children. Uh, it's going to be an overnight fishing trip at a stream or river here in Utah. Uh, for uh, people, we'll be teaching, we'll provide the agenda, and you bring your Bible and what you need to survive. And I think on the screen it tells you June 6 and 7, and one night overstay and two days out there together. It'll be a good time. And remember in September, just as a reminder, we're going to have our Burning Heart 08, and that was called Heart in the Part the last two years, Burning Heart Now. You can, of course, go to the website to find out more information about that. 
I want to recommend this movie to you uh, strongly. I uh, think you should rush to the uh, rush to the uh, movie theater to see it. It's an excellent job. It's a little bit long, a little bit boring for maybe for some teenagers, but stick through it and watch it to the end because what it is, it's called Expelled. It's with Ben Stein. It's in the uh, theaters now. And what it does is Ben Stein goes and he represents uh, uh, people who believe in God and uh, intelligent design, whether you agree with that approach or not, is really beside the point. And he goes to all the people who believe in Darwinism and people who uh, claim there is no God. He goes to the very top of the food chain, no pun intended in that, and he talks to Richard Dawkins and all these other guys and he dialogues with them. And it's amazing what comes out because of that. So I highly recommend this movie uh, that you go and see Expelled. Okay, uh, also, We've been talking about this for a while, and I'm going to talk about it again. Rain Down USA. It's a national prayer day that has been going on. I'm not sure exactly where it started, but um, you can see on 4-26-08, from 4 to 7 p.m., we're going to be praying as a nation, uh, a time of prayer and repentance. You can see that a statewide prayer event is going to be hosted at Cottonwood High School, 5715 South 13th East in Salt Lake City, Utah. And that's on April 26, 2008. You can go to raindownusa.com for more information. And it's just a time for everybody in the nation to come together, praying at the same time uh, for our nation, our security, our family, our children, our uh, economics, everything that you can think of. Well, well, I'm holding these up a lot tonight. This is big time in the news. People are emailing. They want to know what we think about it. Texas Keeps the Kid was this headline. We see the people crying, and there's all kinds of uh, dialogue going on between the FLDS ch uh, church and then the LDS church is stepping in and getting involved and making sure that, that we have nothing to do. We have nothing to do with uh, polygamy. The FLDS is completely different from us. The reorganized is different from us. I want to say a couple things. First of all, it's a horrible, sad, tragic situation in Texas. My heart breaks for the children and for the women who are involved in that situation. And there is really no easy way to fix that or reconcile it. I'm not uh, informed enough to make a real good commentary on it, but it's just a horrible situation. But every single bit of it, all of it, is the direct result of Joseph Smith. All of it. That would not exist if it was not for Joseph Smith and his practice of polygamy, secret, his doctrines on polygamy, more public, Doctrine and Covenants 132 and others, and then Brigham Young and Parley P. Pratt and the other guys, making Orson Pratt, making it a big, open, wide, accepted thing. What you see in Texas, my friends, what you're seeing there is Joseph Smith's Mormonism in practice. When you go to southern Utah, you see Joseph Smith's Mormonism in practice. The FLDS actually are following what Mormonism teaches. The real LDS church, or the people who have gotten big, 13 million strong, who are saying we have nothing to do with it, they have stepped back from those practices, but they've never renounced them. Those things are important to uh, realize. It's also important to realize that the LDS church, 13 million strong, here in the Mecca of Mormonism, that they support, I believe, probably, I can't, uh, I can't prove this, I believe some of them still practice while alive, but I don't know that. I'll probably get in trouble for that one. 
Uh, but I believe that they fully support polygamy spiritually. They practice spiritual polygamy. And it's still in their doctrines, which we've said all along, have nothing to do with Section 132. It's a pernicious doctrine. It's ugly. It's all over the headlines now. I don't know why. Any, Joel Osteen just got up and said, or not, or recently got up and said on the news that, that Mormonism, Mormonism is Christian. Mormonism is Christian. Just by the face alone value of polygamy. I don't know how this is going on. So when you look at this stuff in Texas, don't just look at the F FLDS church. Look at Mormonism and ask the hard questions of the Mormon bishops and the stake presidents and the, and the uh, area representatives and the apostles and Thomas Monson. Is Doctrine and Covenants 132 still in your canon? That question should be asked. What does that represent? What did it represent? And we might get somewhere. I have to read this email. It has nothing to do with what I was just talking about. It's uh, from Kay. I'm going to call it Kay. It says, listen to this. This is what happens when men start coming up with ideas of how to do things on the earth for God with priesthoods and ceilings and things. This story is amazing. I married my husband almost eight years ago, and three years ago, his ex-wife died. She was excommunicated from the LDS church eight years prior to her death. To my understanding, all their temple blessings and sealings were canceled when she was excommunicated. Therefore, the sealings to their children was also void. After her death, her family decided that they were going to have her temple work done, reinstating her sealing to my husband and their children. I have since adopted the children that I have raised every day for the past eight years. I have asked my bishop if I can have the children sealed to me, and he says no, and that since my husband and I were not married in the temple, the two children we have together are sealed to my husband and his first wife. He read this to me from the manual that I later found out was a member handbook. My question to you is, if I can't be sealed to my kids that I have adopted and that I have biologically given birth to, then will the church change their record so that it says me and my husband as their parents and not his ex-wife? It's absolutely unbelievable. That this should be headlines. Joel Osteen should have this on his desk. I mean, as we're rolling over here and we're, and we're trying to be all nice, nice and try to say, oh, let's love each other and everything. And it's okay. We can't be bigots. We can't say our church is, is Christian and theirs isn't. And, we're, and people are suffering. Oh, it's just unreal. All right. Finally, I, I, actually, I'm going to compliment the LDS Church. Some of you might not like this, but this is Jesus Christ Provides for Spiritual Rebirth. It was a talk given by Todd Christofferson Sunday morning at their um, general conference. And while I don't agree with all his explanations of spiritual rebirth, he says some things that are, uh, are amazing. He says, specifically, it is faith in Christ and the atoning one. He says, which they believe, I know, but he says, by whose grace we are changed. By whose grace we are changed. It was Jesus who stated that entry into the kingdom of God requires that one be born again. And I think that they are starting to talk about born again, spiritual rebirth more in the church. I don't know whether he believes that or not, 
because if you believe in all the other doctrine, I don't know how you could. But I do believe that this dialogue of born again more in the church is going to get some of their members to go and look in the Bible to see what it says, and it's going to open their heart, and they may experience it. Their eyes will open, their ears will open, their hearts will open, and things will begin to change from the grassroot level up. So I, my hat's off to them at least talking about that concept, and in time maybe we can get it right. Finally, before I pray, I want you to know that this ministry can be... Um, at least for me personally, very can be heartbreaking. I, I talk to people often uh, who are in turmoil from having discovered the truth of Mormonism, past, uh, present, and where it looks like it's headed in the future. Their families are being torn up. Wives who have come to know the Lord, whose husbands are in bishoprics and children are on missions, uh, husbands who know the Lord and the wife will have nothing to do with anything that, that comes straight from a Christian's mouth. It has to come through the church. I know that there are a lot of painful situations from the emails we get and the things that we are even helping to cause out there in the community. I personally, you might not believe it, but one-on-one, -on -one, I don't like to upset people. I like people. I tease them, but I love people. I don't want to offend them. And I don't mean to be offensive to you as a person and what you have come to understand and believe. But I am going to be offensive to doctrine that is false and that has led you to a place where you do not know who Jesus Christ is. And so we do this show not to be offensive to you, not to cause you pain. We do it so that hopefully you will too will open your eyes and look and see what you're in and then you'll make a decision to come to know and receive what the Lord is given to you. And when you do that, I promise you, your families will be okay. Everything will work out when you give your life to him. And so I just want you to know it's not a pleasure to hear uh, some of the things that go on as a result of people getting information. But it is a joy beyond measure to hear people when they have come to know the Lord and they have been born again and they talk in terms that every Christian understands, in terms that Mormons have never really understood. And we see more and more, we are seeing Latter-day Saints who have gone from, from Mormon-esque talk to being born again. And to hear their testimonies and what happens in their lives is absolutely amazing and worth every bit of effort. That being said, let's have a word of prayer. Lord, we love you and thank you for life, for the blessings that you give us, for this airtime, for this station, for the volunteers who help, uh, for our studio audience, and for the people at home who are tuning in. Lord, we pray this message will go out, that the things I say which are not of you will fall dead, but the message you have will ring true. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. All right. Last week, we introduced to you 17 points the LDS Church often uses, especially their missionaries, to show why their church is true. I'm going to go through those in the next few weeks. Today, we're going to cover the first two. Point number one is unusually written. It's just one phrase that says, Christ organized his church. That's all it says. I want to say, duh, uh, to that, but... Um, 
I think that we need to examine the implication of that statement when it's given by a Latter-day Saint saying these are the 17 points of the true church and then putting one, Christ organized his church. What they're saying is Jesus Christ organized the LDS church. They think Jesus brought in temple rites and secret names and rituals and apparel. They think Jesus ordained polygamy. They think Jesus ordained blood atonement for human beings outside of himself, that he was the author of the book of Abraham. Now, it does go without saying that whatever church Jesus established, whether it's a physical church or a church of members, he certainly is the one who would approve of it. But to say that a sign of the preeminent true physical church is that it was organized by him is to presuppose that there is a true singular physical institution out there on this earth that people have to join or be a member of in order to go to heaven. It's just not so. What did Jesus organize over 2,000 years ago? He or organized the gospel, the good news, news, the message of truth, a compilation of faith-based beliefs which alter anyone and everyone who will allow their ears to hear, their eyes to see, their heart to feel. It has made the church of a body of believers who all fill and act in different capacities from a host of different churches spread throughout this world. Now, the LDS used Ephesians 4, 11 through 14 to support this statement that Jesus organized their church. They used the Bible in all their 17 points to try to show that the Bible supports their church. We're going to read those passages and then explain contextually what they mean. Let me read Ephesians uh, 4, 11. Ready? And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, and for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth no more be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of man and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive." Now, this is the, these are the passages the LDS take from the Bible, and they put it under their first point that the church was organized by Christ. Well, let's just read that, and let me preach it. I'm going to preach it for a second, okay? And he gave some apostles and prophets, okay? We're going to talk about that next week, how he gave some, and apostles are always first, prophets are always second. The LDS church, Christianity, reverses it. It says prophet and apostles every time. New Testament, every time, apostles, prophets. I'll explain that why next week. It says evangelists he gave, pastors, haven't seen them in the LDS church, and for the perfecting of the saints, for the edifying of the body of Christ, which is full of different members and different parts that function in a different way. Throughout this world, the body of Christ is not one singular place. It's the whole gospel throughout the world. Till we all come to a unity of the faith, and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto the perfect man and to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that henceforth we be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. Listen. By the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. You can find deception, craftiness, slight of men and winds of doctrine throughout the history and present day doctrines of the LDS church. The Bible is warning you about this. 
The Bible is telling you to be careful about this, all right? Did, did you know that it says in Ephesians 3, unto the glory in the church by Jesus Christ, it says throughout all ages, no, no, uh, no uh, restoration needed, no uh, apostasy occurring right after uh, the advent of the church uh, being established and the Catholic church roiling in darkness and everybody, the priesthood being lost, none of that. It says, throughout all ages, world without end. Gospel of Jesus Christ did not leave this earth, my friends. It's always been around. You see, Jesus established a church. It was, it has been, it always will be, be built on believers from all over the planet. Some, believe it or not, who may not have ever even stepped in a church. That's important to know. Mormonism would love to have everyone in the world believe that the church Jesus established is an institution with buildings, and it is run by these new uh, prophets and apostles. Next week's going to be really good on prophets and apostles. The true church of Jesus Christ is a spiritual movement founded on individual relationships people have established uh, through faith in Jesus Christ, and uh, there are no intermediaries needed since the veil was written to. Number two, and then we're going to end on this point, the LDS say the true church must bear the name Jesus Christ. Now, again, they support the use of this from a verse in Ephesians. Remember, they're saying that the true church must bear the name Jesus Christ in their church. That's why they're called truly the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Listen to the verse they use to support that from the Bible. Ready? For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Got me. No idea. Christ is the head of the church? Sure. It says nothing about the name being in the name and the title of the church. How this passage supports this little carnival trick doctrine they have of the name being in the only true church is beyond me. Of course, Christ is the head of the church, the chief cornerstone. There's passages that call him the foundation too, but nowhere does it teach that his name has to be in the name of the church. And let me give you some contextual evidence of that from the Bible. I mean, don't most believers in Jesus Christ call themselves Christians? Isn't their name, isn't his name right with them always? Aren't they Christians? I mean, right then and there. And if the church is made up of a body of believers, his name is on the heart of every single person who truly believes in him. You will notice a refusal and a reticence on the part of most true Christians to call themselves by the title of the church they attend. Conversely, you will discover that most people who have an institutional relationship with God will use the institutional name in the place of where Jesus should be. It means nothing, nothing for religionists to say, I'm a Catholic, I'm a Baptist, I'm a Mormon, I'm a Jehovah's Witness. It's the institution that they are. These types usually place that church where Jesus should be or a Christian should be. To the relationalist, the person who has a relationship with God through Christ, they are, there is usually a hesitancy when you say, what church do you belong to? They usually will say, and not always, but they usually will say, well, I go to the First Baptist Church, but I'm a Christian. Or I go to this church, but I'm Christian. They usually don't make the title of the place they worship uh, part of who they are as a person. Very, very rarely will you ever hear a Latter-day Saint define themselves relationally to God. 
but instead they almost always refer to themselves as Mormon, a member of the church, okay? Biblically, the church collective or the body of believers are aptly referred to as the church of Christ, the body of Christ, but does this mean that the body of Christ should have a letter above uh, every single doorway that says this is the church of Jesus Christ? What is more important in the title to God, Christian or Mormon? And if you're LDS, what are you going to say when you stand before God? Two men go before God and they have died. One stand before God and says, uh, Lord, I've lived my entire life as a Christian in every sense of the word I possibly could. Lord, I'm a Christian. That's what I have to offer as far as my beliefs. And then the other man says, uh, Heavenly Father or Savior, I lived my life as a Mormon in every sense of the word possible. I did everything the Mormon church told me to do. I lived as closely as I possibly could to the Mormon edicts. Which one is God going to be proud of you for? If you're LDS, I'm not talking to the Christians. If you're LDS sitting in your home, what do you think God is going to say? You have deluded yourself if you think you're going to go before him and say, my relationship to an institution on this earth is what makes me allowed to talk to you, God. It's only his son, the fact that you are a Christian and you know you're a Christian and it's because you've been reborn and because you have the spirit living inside of you and you've been regenerated, etc., etc. How on earth did the Latter-day Saints come up with the idea that the name Jesus Christ had to be in the title of the church? Well, let me tell you. Joseph Smith lived at a time when people were seeking to reestablish the true church back on the face of the earth. It was a fad known as restorationism. Restorationism still goes on today in some churches. And one of the leaders of this movement in Joseph Smith's time was named Alexander Campbell. And Alexander Campbell came up with about 15 different points that you had to have if you were truly going to be the restored church. One of them, a biggie, was you had to have the name of Jesus Christ in the title of your church. And so this is what uh, Joseph Smith borrowed from Alexander Campbell and did. But guess what? 1 Corinthians says, the church of God, which is at Corinth. And then the scriptures go on and refers to different churches. Listen, the church at Centuria. Paul saluted the churches of Asia, as they were known and spoke of. He spoke to the church of the Laodiceans, the church of the Thessalonians, the church of the living God. Timotheus was uh, ordained the first Episcopal, Episcopus of the church of the Ephesians. Titus was the, uh, ordained the first bishop of the church of the Christians, Cretans, Cretans, the Cretans. And what about the seven churches in Revelations? The church of Ephesus, the church at Thyatira. That's how they're written in the Greek and in the word. Nowhere does the Bible say the name of the church has to include the name of Jesus Christ. Why? Because salvation is not in a church association or membership. Salvation is in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Don't get me wrong. Churches are good. Going to church is good. Many people every year, millions are saved because they attend a good Christian church. Churches like Sandy Ridge Community Church and the Church of the Lamb of God and the Church Living Water and all these different churches, they bring people to God, but they don't have to have that title in their name. All right, we're going to open up the phone lines uh, at 801-973-8820, 801-973-TV20. Uh, 
ponder on these things. We're going to go through the, in the next 15 and the next few weeks about the ideas for the uh, true church. We have several, the call, the, oh, the lines are full. Keep trying. If you get a recording or if it's busy, just keep trying. You can get through. People do all the time. I had uh, emails to read, but uh, I'm, I'm going to get to one of them because it's really good. We're going to Bob in Riverton, first time caller. Bob, you're on Heart of the Matter. Bob? Yes, Sean. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Really good. Sean? You have to turn your TV down, Bob. Okay. Down. Hey, all of you guys waiting, turn your TVs down. Go ahead. Okay. Sean, question for you. Yes. Uh, the Mormons, they believe that they can become gods. And that, for the first time I ever heard it, is that the father had a birthday. And he was born on April the 9th. If they call themselves Christians, how can they believe that they can become God? We're made in his image and likeness, but that doesn't make us gods when we get to heaven. Well, they believe it because uh, they also believe prior to believing that, Bob, that there was a book that was written on golden plates buried in a hill. And a 14-year-old boy, or uh, actually 17-year-old boy, discovered them after having seen uh, God the Father and Jesus Christ. And he took these plates and he translated them into a Book of Mormon. And then they also believe in a Book of Abraham. And they also believe in his revelations. And they believe and they believe and they believe and they believe. And when you get to the end of the road, they believe so much. When Joseph stood up and said, let me tell you something, the king followed discourse. And he, it was like... Uh, three months before he was murdered, uh, Joseph Smith says, I want to tell you something. God is a man. He's a man just like we used to, like we are, it used to be, and they bought that hook, line, and sinker. He just takes you in steps. You can see the progression. That's why the, the Mormons are so um, strong on defending the Book of Mormon because Joseph borrowed so many Christian themes and, and, and things in the Book of Mormon that when they read it, they just can't see why it's such a diabolical book. And I've always said the Book of Mormon's an introductory drug. And, and what you do is you buy into that story, and then you go on and you buy into everything else. And man, soon, soon you're worshiping a God who has a birthday. By the way, I've never heard that his birth, God the Father's birthday was April 9th. I've heard Jesus' birthday was April 6th, but never that, that anyone knows God the Father's birthday. Maybe I'm wrong, but I've never heard that. Well, this is just what I was told, and I'm thinking, you know. Yeah. Uh... I guess they don't believe in God as a creator because I was speaking with some people and they indicated to me that they can't wait to become gods and go to heaven. That's true. And they will be able to, uh, I guess, assemble the masses that's already in existence. And Yeah. Hey, Bob, go to uh, utlm.org and uh, there's great information, a lot of information there about LDS and their doctrine on becoming God. Thanks for calling, man. Okay. God bless. Bye-bye. We're going to Ryan, Salt Lake City, first time caller, who is LDS. Ryan, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi, Sean. How you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Good. I just got your book, uh, I Was a Born Again Mormon, and I've been reading through it, and uh, you seem to have changed your mind about uh, Mormons being able to be Christians. What caused your change? No, I've never, uh, ever changed my mind on Mormons being able to be Christian. I was a Mormon and a Christian. I was born again and stayed in the church four years. My, uh, where I, uh, where maybe you're mixing it up, Ryan, is Mormonism has never been Christian. And that's what we talk about here on the show. Individual Mormons can come to know the Lord. I mean, 
you're in the church and you suddenly come to know the Lord because someone introduces you to him. You're, uh, you're in the church and you, you are a Christian and it takes you a while to get out of the church. I meet Mormons all the time who are in process of coming to know the Lord. And when they finally do, their eyes are open. But so individual Mormons who are learning to separate the culture and their family and their jobs and their children and everything else who are kind of lingering in the church because they're not sure what to do, they may be Mormon, but I'm not going to question their Christianity when they share the same type of Christianity that I know from the Bible. But Mormonism, forget it. No way in the world, no matter how much they're claiming it today. No way. Okay, so it can't, the church as an institution can't be reformed, you know, some of the... can Sure, that's what we hope for. We hope the pressures from things like go what's going on in Texas and different people standing up and Sandra Tanner's lifelong ministry of taking the heat and different people who have stepped out, shows like this, the little drops we can throw and anything that will cause the church to say, okay, Joseph didn't see God. Okay, the Book of Mormon, whatever. Let's turn to Jesus like the Worldwide Church of God did and let's have a reformation and let's repent. Absolutely, we pray for that. I don't know if it's going to happen, but we pray for it. But you know that people in Texas aren't part of the mainstream LDS church, Sean. You know that. That's the, the FLDS, Warren Jeff. Not at, they're not at all part of it. I agree. But their doctrine are, is shared. You know, you know, Ryan, that Doctrine Covenants 132 has not been rescinded. You know that if I were LDS, I could have more than one wife in the eternities waiting for me. You know that polygamy is still practiced. You know that every good ladder... Well, not on earth, it's not practiced. Well, not on earth, but spiritually, what difference does it make? If you still believe in the principle, what difference does that make? It makes no difference. It, the principle's still there. You tell your son who's LDS, Joey, now you can't have two wives here on earth, but man, you can have a lot of them when you die. What's Joey going to do when he grows up to be an adult male in the LDS church? Well, Sister Jones is looking pretty hot, and so is Sister Rogers. I mean, we inculcate this into those kids, and it comes to the priesthood. You know as well as I do, Ryan, that every single man in that church who is active and a temple-going guy has always considered... Well, maybe I'll grab a few extra ones when I die. And that is the same mentality that the FLDS have, except they have the chutzpah to do it here on Earth. Uh, okay. Well, uh, from what I understand, you know, I understand, like, if your wife dies here on Earth, you can remarry and then you can be sealed to both wives, is what I understand. But you can't, you can't just say, oh, I'm going to grab all these extra wives, you know. And your wife's still alive and well, you know what I mean? Okay, so Ryan, because you present it with a nice voice, sounds like you could be like a telephone counselor, and you're really a nice guy, and you say, well, the way I, well, you always, you know, well, the way I understand it is if a man's wife passes away, he can be sealed to another one. Bottom line, it's more than one wife in the eternities. Bottom line, they have never rescinded the doctrine of polygamy as being an eternal principle. Bottom line, there are nobody has ever said Brigham Young doesn't have all his 56 wives or whatever he had in heaven. No one has ever said that's not the case. You well, know, what do, okay, all right, let's concede your point right there. What, what do, uh, I don't know what denomination you belong to. I know you're, you're pretty non-denominational. Yeah. What, but what do these other churches believe? Like, say your wife dies here on earth and you remarry. Yeah. Are you going to be just sealed to your first wife? You going to be sealed to your second wife? How's that going to work up in heaven? Like, you know, I, I don't understand. I don't know. In Mark chapter nineteen, I think. Sorry if I'm wrong on that. 
uh, Jesus, they come, the, 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 the Sadducees come to him and they try to trip him up and they try to talk to him about, well, this woman, she, uh, she has a husband and he dies. And so the brother, he steps in and he marries her, which was according to Levitical law. And he dies and he dies and she does it like six times. And he says, which one is going to be her husband uh, after this life? And Jesus said, in heaven, they are not married. So Christians do not believe in eternal marriage. They don't believe in sealing of marriage. They believe marriage is an institution that we participate here in this earth. If that is how the Lord leads, they also don't believe you have to be married. In fact, Paul said it would be good if you could be like me, unattached. And so some people devote their entire life to serving the Lord instead of being cohabitating with a member of the opposite sex so they can give their entire life to the Lord. Marriage does not have nearly the same place in Christianity as it does in Mormonism. Okay. Does that help, my brother? Yeah, it helps out. All right. Thanks for, write thanks for writing. Thanks for calling. <laughs> thanks. All right, bye. Too many emails this week. Let's go to Claudia and Payson on the legendary line four. Claudia, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi, Sean. <coughs> Excuse me, Claudia. Hi. 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 Claudia, you're on the air. Oh, I can't tell by looking at you on the TV. Anyway, I wanted to ask you a question. I've heard people ask you questions about being judged at the end. And I'm a born-again born Christian. But I've heard you talk about um, God judging you, like, maybe by the things you've done or, or not done. I haven't been the best Christian. Yeah. So I was just, I, I was always raised that you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, and his blood atonement will send you to heaven. Okay, Claudia, let me give you a thumbnail sketch of that, okay? Are you ready? What? Would you like to hang up and listen to the TV? I'll give the answer there. Okay. Okay, Claudia, thanks that. for calling. Bye-bye. Okay, let's give Claudia a chance to run over and uh, turn up her TV. Um, all right, Claudia, here it is. Uh, when you have accepted Jesus Christ by faith, you are saved by his grace and not by anything you do. Jesus saved you, suffering for you 2,000 years ago. And so he paid for your sins, past, present, Claudia, and future. You are covered by his blood. So when you die, whether it be right now or it be in 20 years, and you have been covered because of your faith in him for what he did for you. You are not meriting heaven because of something that you have done or not done in the years that you have been a Christian. However, there is something called the Bema seat, which is the, it's, it's, it's really not in the Bible, but it is referred to. And what it's talking about is you're, it's in Corinthians and all your works, pretend this black table is an altar and there's going to be fire on it. And all of your works as a Christian are going to be laid on that altar and they're going to be tested by fire. And if you did things so that people could see you, Claudia, as a Christian, or if you did things because you wanted to get praise, or you did it for money, or you did it for whatever else, that's going to burn up like wood, hay, and stubble on that altar. Burn up. You'll have nothing there. But maybe you did something that was really from your heart because you love the Lord. Maybe you shared Jesus with somebody on a bus or with your neighbor. Well, those nuggets are going to be tried by fire, and they are going to be gold and silver, and they're not going to go away. And those are going to be your rewards as a Christian, okay? So that is how the judgment is going to affect you. You will be judged. 
but not according to your salvation. You're going to be judged according to the things you did as a Christian based on your motives, your love, the fruit of the Spirit, all those things. If you've been a lousy Christian, Claudia, change, okay? Read the Bible. You can't be a lousy Christian. You got to be a good one because that's, that's part and parcel of coming to know the Lord. He becomes the king of your life. You let him lead you and guide you. And when he does, you're not going to want to do anything wrong. Now, the other side to it are there are people who are not going to accept Jesus. They're going to turn away from him. They are going to be judged at the great white throne. And when it opens up, and they're going to be judged according to their works. Now, can anybody get into heaven based on their works? No. So we have a big problem there, and there's some eschatological stuff that means end time stuff that plays into that with the tribulation and judgment for those people. I don't know too much about it, so I won't go into it. But bottom line, Christians, you are covered by the blood of Jesus Christ, Claudia. Have you trusted in his blood? If you have, now start showing him that you're grateful for it, all right? And that is going to help you a lot, all right? So let's go to Patrick in Boise. Patrick, you're on Heart of the Matter. Well, hello, sir. Well, hello, sir. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you? Um, I had something that made my blood boil, oh. and it was about a caller a week or two ago that called Sandra and Daryl Tanner apostates. Oh. So now I just want to say something to the persons or whomever out there who calls her apostate. Okay. I had a chance to meet uh, Daryl and Sandra Tanner in Salt Lake through Lighthouse Ministries um, about 20 years ago uh -huh. and um, got to become really good friends with them. Um, one of the things I wanted to share is that she shared with me, and it says, to the faithful you show yourself faithful, to the blameless you show yourself blameless, to the pure you show yourself pure, but to the crooked you show yourself shrewd. Huh. It goes on down, it says, as for the Lord, as for God, his way is perfect. The word of Yahweh is flawless. He is a shield for all who take refuge in him. For who is God besides Yahweh? And who is the rock except our God? The other comment that I wanted to make, Sean, is Mormon Church is nothing but a modern-day Phariseeism. It's just a carry-on. And I'm going to ruffle a lot of feathers when I say that. They're Pharisees. They're I would agree. You know, there, it says in the scripture that there's one work that we must do. The one work is, as the disciples were asking Jesus, what must we do to do the works that God requires? Yeah. He says the work of God is this, to believe in Jesus and himself whom was sent. Yeah. That's the work. Patrick, work. beautiful call. Really appreciate it, and I concur with you on all points. That's the most wonderful thing. It's the one work that we have to do in this entire life is to believe in whom, him who was sent, and he is sovereign. He is God. He is working out his plan. He is the one who's doing it, and it's not us. Amen, Patrick. Thanks so much, my brother. God bless you, Sean. God bless you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Listen, I want to say something to the LDS quickly. You might say, well, I believe in him. I believe. And remember, we have other verses that talk about the devil's belief, too. It, it comes down to this relationship. Patrick was, was touching on it. The belief is what your works are. It's believing on him. Because when you believe on him, he not only cleanses you, but he gives you the power to do the things he wants you to do, and you begin to do more works than you could ever believe. 
But as a Pharisee, trying to keep law and trying to present yourself worthy before God is an impossibility. And that's what he meant by they are Pharisees. Now, when he said that, I think he meant the uh, ideal Mormon. I don't think he meant every single Mormon. I think he meant the ideal Mormon and what they represent. Okay, quickly, before we go to the phone lines, Diana, Catherine, Michael, quickly got an email from Kendall. He defended how Jesus Christ is their savior. He's LDS, how it's, it's Christian, Christian, Christian. He wrote, I quote, he is the sole focus of everything the church does. He continues, I go home teaching to help others build faith in him. I go to the temple to learn about his plan. I study my scriptures to learn of him. I pay my tithing voluntarily to help him build his kingdom. I participate in family home evenings to bring my family together and learn of him. I served a mission to bring his gospel to other people. I am involved in service projects because that is what he would want me to do. I pray because I know he hears and answers my prayers. I have been given blessings through his name and seen miracles. How can you say that the Mormon church does anything but promote faith in Jesus Christ? I would say again, Kendall, even based on this email, that Mormonism leads people to promoting themselves. All right, so let's go to uh, Diana and Sandy. Diana, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi, John. How Hi. are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Great. Um, I really liked your talk about um, the LDS Church and what that doesn't mean by having Jesus Christ in the name. Right. And um, I tried to look it up, but I didn't get to it. UTLM will tell you and your audience that Jesus Christ was not always in the name of the LDS Church, and I forget yeah. what the other two names were, and I'm sorry about that, but it's worth looking at. Yeah, that's right. Historically, it wasn't. Very good. Ver okay, have a good one. Great point. Thanks so much. Okay, bye-bye now. Bye-bye. You know, we promote UTLM on the show a lot. A lot of the times we get emails and people say, I didn't know this information even existed. And why we're, we're constantly promoting their site because they have gone to 30 plus years, maybe almost 40 years. They have been in uh, the files and records of the church and they've scoured and they can give you the information directly from the church you say is uh, from Jesus Christ. And you've got to read the stuff, my friends because that information is gonna help open your eyes. And then talk to other people about Jesus and who he really is. Don't just throw the baby out with the bathwater. Don't just turn around and say there is no God. Oh, Mormonism is not true, I hate everything. Turn to the Lord. You've learned a little bit about him in Mormonism. Learn what it really means to have a relationship with him. And this is so important. All right, let's go to Brad and Sugar House. Brad, you're on Heart of the Matter. Sean, God bless you. It does. Appreciate the call. At the beginning of the show, you said, uh, spoke about two men. It reminded me of Luke chapter 18. There were two men that went before the Lord. And one says, well, Lord, you know, I did this, and I did this, and I did this, and I did this. And the other man said, well, Lord, just please have mercy on me. The man that asked for mercy is the one that went away justified. And, you know, I was raised LDS my whole life, and I counted on doing this and this and this and this to be justified. And, you know, I just want to exhort anyone LDS listening, read Luke chapter 18. Great call. Excellent, Brad. Thank you so much. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. 
All right, we're going to Catherine and Murray. Catherine, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi. Hi. Um, okay, I have a coworker who um, was telling me that they are Christian, so my husband and I were going to have them over for fellowship. And then one day she mentioned that she was, quote, sealed to her boyfriend. So I asked her what Bible-believing church that they go to that does this, and she told me she goes to the Church of the Firstborn. And I was really surprised. I was like, what? You know, sealed to your boyfriend. You're not even married. He's not even divorced. And so she told me they, I, that they were Christian, that they believed in Christ as a Savior. And she gave me their um, web address, so I checked them out. And um, I believe it, you know, it, they believe in the Book of Mormon, the Pearl of Great Price, and all of these different, like the Apocrypha, the Pseudopigrapha, all these different books that were in this um, on this website. Wow. And I was just shocked. I mean, I want to witness to this woman. I want to tell her the truth, but I just don't know how to go about telling her anything without completely upsetting her because it's a workplace and we work for people who are of a certain religion that they might not appreciate me trying to convert their sure. employee sort of thing. And um, Well, Catherine, uh, the suggestion uh, is to uh, prayerfully, lovingly, consistently uh, share who Jesus is and open uh, a discussion with her about who she thinks he is. And, and in time, with him leading by the Holy Spirit, it will touch her heart and she will begin to see. And it could be a lifelong process. You might be planting seeds someone else will uh, reap. Uh, but nevertheless, it's going to be the fruits of the Spirit manifested by you in the workplace that are going to help this poor woman see the truthfulness and cut her from more tentacles that have originated from Joseph Smith into people's lives and cause them to believe things that are simply not true. Oh. Sealed to her boyfriend. We got to take that. What is it? Church of the Firstborn? Church of the Firstborn. Okay, we got to get them off our recommended list. Also, just kidding. Where is it written that Joseph Smith will um, judge people when they die? Mm hmm. Brigham Young taught that. Brigham Young taught that. Too. He taught that when you uh, die, you're going to have to pass by Joseph Smith, and he's got to give you the thumbs up or the thumbs down on entering the celestial kingdom. Where would I get information on that? So, utlm.org. I'm sorry? Uh, utlm.org. Great. Yeah, go to that one. Okay. All right, thanks so much. You have a wonderful evening. Thanks. Bye-bye. Okay. We're going to Jocelyn and Layton, first-time caller. Jocelyn, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi, Sean. How are you? I'm well. How are you? Good. Um, my question was, I was watching the news throughout this SLDS um, thing going on right now. Uh-huh. And... Um, they were talking about how it was going to be hard for the children to um, to kind of come back out into society because of their beliefs. Right. And they were saying how the children won't go swimming because they believe the devil is in water. Right. Well, I was talking to a friend's mother about this, and um, <laughs> sorry, a little nervous. It's okay. And she was saying that that was in the Bible, and I know that's not in the Bible, but she was saying that God gave Satan power over fire and um, water. Mm. That must be the Satanic Bible. I don't remember reading that. Uh, if I'm wrong, again, I'm just kidding if I'm wrong, but no, it's not in the Bible. What happened was uh, Joseph Smith was on, um, I think it was the Missouri River, my history gets mixed up, and was uh, it was a stormy night, and they were out there trying to escape some mobs, and 
and uh, it was really getting ugly. And when they were in the boat, one of the guys said, I see the devil riding on the water, <sighs> literally. And so Joseph and that guy got out of the boat. Everybody else had to stay in. And Joseph and that guy left uh, from the boat. And from that point on, Mormons have always believed that the devil rules over the water. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Very interesting. I was a swimmer in high school, so I Bible, tend to believe there may be some truth Bible, to that. So. What's that? the Bible, and I, but I was sure it wasn't in the Bible. No, I don't believe there's any reference at all anywhere in the Bible like that. Okay, thank you very much. All right, God bless you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. We're going to Jason in North Salt Lake. Jason, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hey, Sean, how you doing? Hey, um, there's a story out of the Book of Mormon. I can't remember if it's Alma, because I don't even own a Book of Mormon. I haven't owned one for almost 15 years or whatever. But there, I saw the story on TV. It's where he has three sons, and he sends his sons to go back because he's um, expelled out of Israel because he says Israel's going to be destroyed. Yeah. He's a prophet, and he sends his sons back as they go on the outskirts of Israel, and um, his sons get chased back out because they have to ask for some records or something. Yeah. You know who, who that is? Yeah, that's Lehi and his sons uh, Nephi and Laman and Lemuel. Now, the reason why I say that is because I would like to know who, who they claim destroyed Israel. Was it the Babylonians? Yeah, it was right below. Uh, I thought so. You know why? This just popped in my head about a, about a year ago. I was reading about it, and I saw the story, and I was like, that's Jeremiah's story. That's the real prophet out of the Bible. This Levi, that's, I'm like, that's Jeremiah. That's the same timeline. <laughs> Unbelievable. I'm like, no way, because that's what happened. Jeremiah warned, and he said, the Babylonians, he said, Egypt's not going to help protect you because, and uh, Syria, I think it was, and then the Babylonians, Ebuchadnezzar came through, took them, you know, and that's, yeah, I'm like, wait a minute. See, I was trying to show my friends this, you know, the LPS and Mormon, you know, missionaries, and dude, I was saying, they got some of these profits out of the, you know, Jason timeline, huh? Awesome information, man. You're an entertaining man, but we got to move it along. Really quick, one more thing. You got to do a show on taking Mormonism and comparing it to communism and fascism. You got to do because it's so much like the old Soviet communism. Even some of the buildings in Salt Lake that are old, they look like the old Soviet buildings. The church. Offices look like the Soviet, the old Soviet Cold War buildings. All right, man, we'll do it. All right, thank you. Thanks. Bye, bye. Bye. Whoa. <laughs> We're going to Janine, first-time caller, Salt Lake City. Janine, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi, Sean. Hi. Um, God bless you for the work that you. Well, glory to God for the work that is being done through you. But thank you for making yourself available for that. But I just wanted to encourage your listeners as they watch your show that they have to know God's truth to see through Satan's lies. And the best way for Satan to pull us away is through our pride and our egos. And that Christ is the only way. Yes, he so is. So I'm just really proud of the work you're doing. And good job. Thanks, Janine. I really appreciate it. God bless you. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. You know, I want you to think about something for a second. If you're LDS, Jesus, believing and have faith on him, is that enough? No. You got to believe in Joseph. You got to believe in every story he told. I mean, and he told a lot of them. They have volumes of scripture 
that he claimed came from God. You got to believe a guy who said he came and did what no other man could do, that he has more to boast of than any man on earth save Jesus Christ, and then he said he's done more than even Jesus Christ could. Look at the opening quote on utlm.org. You gotta believe that polygamy was right. You have to believe in temple rites and rituals were right. You have to believe that in order for you to get into that temple, you have to pay 10% of your income, that you have to believe and go to all your Sabbath day meetings. You have to do this, you have to do that, you have to do this. It's a never ending wheel. You have to believe in all of those things. You have to have faith in every single leader who supports Brigham Young, who said uh, uh, you should throw a javelin through the heart of, of people, and who believed in capital punishment for people who were innocent. You have to believe in all those things. And if you're Christian, you throw yourself, like our caller said, and you say, God have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Come and give me new life. Jesus, please give me new life. Help me to know you. Become Lord of my life. That's what you do. You throw it all on him. There are Christians who don't believe in the word of God completely. I believe they're saved. I completely believe in the word of God. But Christians have a lot of openness in the way they can think and believe, how they worship, how they name their church, how they, how they dress, what they eat, what they drink. There's liberty in Christ. The sin of the world was paid for. By your faith on him, you are changed and saved. In Mormonism, you have to have faith in so much more than just Jesus Christ. Think about that. As you sit there and ponder and wonder, I know the people watching, I know you've wondered. I know you question. And I know that you have a heart for the Lord Jesus Christ. You are a people who, like it says in Romans 10, that Paul says about the Jews, that you have a desire to, to be righteous. But you seek to come to God by your own righteousness. And Paul, and Paul said that's not going to happen. They have to understand that it's the righteousness of God by which will get you to him, not by your own. Listen to these messages. Listen to the callers. Listen to your spirit that's in you saying something's been wrong. And go forward, fall on your knees, and talk to the Lord. All right, I'm going to try to take one last call. Mickey, Salt Lake City. Mickey, you're on Heart of the Matter. You've got to be 30 seconds quick. Okay. 30 seconds quick. Okay. Yes, um, the guy that was asking about the marriage in heaven. Yes. Um, it says here in Galatians um, uh, 26, it says, For all of you sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ, for as many of you who were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. Praise God. Thank you so much for that. I really appreciate the call. Listen, a group called Christian Dialogue is going to meet at Denny's every Tuesday night on 250 West, 500 South, around 9.30 p.m. They get there. They've carried on from what we were doing before. So get together with them if you have an interest. If not, we will see you next week here on Heart of the Matter.